Karen, describe for me the difference between the polite clapping at the end of an event of some kind and a standing ovation. That's easy. A polite clapping is exactly that, just a few little claps. You can, maybe not everyone even clapping, and it's over pretty quickly. But a standing ovation is everyone gets to their feet. They often call out, rah, rah, and everyone is clapping. Yeah, Some of them are thumping. There's an electricity yeah. in the air, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. What would be such an event? Well, I can think of a game where the home team wins. That would be one for sure. Yeah, well, not only where they win, but where you've got something big like a no-hitter. Yeah. Or it's in the World Series and it's a no-hitter. Or in the World Series is a no-hitter and it's a perfect game. Nobody even reached <laughs> first base for the other team. Yeah, yeah you and, can't and then, do any better than that. Yeah, those people there on the their feet for a long, long time, and it's a raucous response. Yeah, I think when you say standing ovation, usually you think about theater. Mm-hmm. Have we ever been around when there was a standing ovation? Well, we have. The one I remember is we were in London. We had attended the performance of Les Miserables, the first time it had been mounted in English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it originated, obviously, in France. And right. It was in French, and now they had translated it. Mm-hmm. Into English, and that theater audience just went crazy. Yeah, it, it went crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was applause Cheering and crying. Yeah, 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 it was amazing. We we were there. I, I remember that very much. This visit, I want to think about the church and whether or not it's any good at standing ovations. Welcome to the Before We Go podcast featuring Dr. David Maines and his wife, noted author Karen Maines. Here's David and Karen Maines. On occasion, Karen, I have given away books we have written, but I have learned that for the most part, that's not a very good idea because when you do, almost never do people read them. And if they do, they don't get back to you and say anything as far as what the response was. Recently, a consistent donor to our ministry wrote that she had finished a book she had written and that I could order it on Amazon. Well, I, that was kind of a brave thing for her to say. Yeah. But from my experiences where you write books and you wonder what people think of them, I thought, I'm going to read that to see how she did. So mm-hmm. I ordered it on Amazon. You grabbed it up? That was this last week. You I, read it, and I haven't had a chance to read it myself, but I've gone through it some. Yeah, well, when you say read it, it's about, oh, I think it's 230 pages, something mm-hmm. pretty close to that in, in my memory. I'm not exactly sure, but it's a good-sized book. And I read it, and I found that she did a phenomenal job. And Karen, I've figured out the dates because she gives hints throughout uh-huh. the book. She's probably almost exactly what your age huh. is. You are how old? I, I'm a very young, 79. Well, that sounds like what she would say as well. <laughs> yeah, we don't know her well. But we've known her over the years. Oh, she's been a consistent friend of the ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the name of the book? The name of the book is The Hoarder's Widow. People are probably saying, run that by again. Yeah, hoarder as an H-O-A-R-D-E-R. Someone who is compulsive about hoarding things. Mm-hmm. So let me read it again. The Hoarder's Widow, and the little tagline is, When Love Butts Heads with Hoarding. And it's written by Carol E. Niles. Okay, now she lives in New England. Mm-hmm. I'd like to just get a feel for what she has written. So this is toward the beginning of the book, and she's helping us understand what hoarding is like and her desperate need to find help. So she's gone to, first of all, ministers. Okay. Bob and I started the counseling journey a year and a half after our wedding because Bob was not cleaning out our future home for the renovation, was resisting help, and not keeping his word about what he said he would do. Okay, Karen, they each have a home, and they're living in Carol's home now that they're married, Mm -hmm. and he's cleaning out his home so they can move there, okay? Right. We were still somewhat in love, 
but making little progress toward getting Bob's house ready to be my dream home. One day, I was in the waist-high stuffed living room throwing away 1970s newspapers. He glared at me. His face was ashen gray. He controlled his rage, but he was mad. He loves stuff more than he loves me, I thought. Today, I know that for sure. The word hoarding came to my mind. I had not considered that word before, and that night, I typed hoarding into the internet. Wow! About 30,000 references came up. I began reading the criteria in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, and that's the book used by medical professionals to label mental illnesses. Yes, no question about it. Bob is a hoarder. He fit the criteria. Now what? We were still getting along well enough to sleep together and to go out for a gigantic fried seafood platter two or three times a month, and he was still letting me have most of the fried clams. So I started looking for hope and help with Pastor Charlie, the first of five Christian pastors and counselors I sought for help. This was before hoarding was publicized on television, and there's a show, actually, that deals with yeah. hoarding now. Mm-hmm. So that most people at least have some understanding. Now, but yeah. maybe not then. Mm-hmm. And not one of the five counselors the understood yeah, hoarding as we do now. Pastor Charlie started with prayer, and the first Bible verse he laid on poor, unsuspecting Bob was Matthew six nineteen through 21. Lay not up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth destroy, or where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. But just giving Bob a Bible verse did nothing. Trying to be helpful, the pastor said. I'm kind of laughing. She has a funny sense of humor. It's very dry, yeah. Trying to be helpful. Bob, can you commit to 15 minutes of Bible study and prayer with Carol and two hours a day sorting and organizing? Yes, I love Carol, Bob said, and he did. At the next counseling session, the pastor asked, Well, Bob, how'd it go? Did you do the Bible study for 15 minutes each day with Carol? My wife and I had been praying for you two. And Bob said with an honest look on his face, yes. And I sat beside him, looking at the pastor, shaking, no. We did it once, I said. Bob, he said, how did the sorting and organizing go? Good, got a lot done. Still sitting beside Bob, I shook my head, no. Maybe this time use chart will show us how you are using your time, Bob. Fill it in each day and we will discuss it next week. So classic. Nothing wrong with this pastor, but it's a problem that's much deeper than these tools that would be helpful for other people to do. I would not have known what to have done if Carol had come to me as a professional minister to help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at the next counseling session, after looking over the blank time use chart that showed Bob had filled in nothing, which the pastor had given him, the pastor says, Bob, I'll get together three or four men Saturday and we'll get that place cleaned out. Bob did not holler out loud at that suggestion, but I bet his mind was hollering, you and your Christian buddies better keep your hands off my stuff, and Bob would not go back to counseling. So it just goes on. Now, now Bob is a believer. Yeah. And a very beautiful believer in many ways. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, that's enough to read because it gives us a feel. She has this incredible humor, but is self-deprecating right. in, in many ways. And you get her mixed feelings back and forth. And she becomes very fixated on this hoarding. Of course, I think Many of us will get fixated Mm -hmm. on the hoarding. The point of her book is when they were in their early parts of the marriage, that was what she became fixated on. Mm -hmm. And then what happens, David? Do you want to? This is helpful. And again, reading snatches is not Uh fair, but it gives you a feel. This is a little bit later and something horrendous is going to take place. 
The next morning, about 7.45 a.m., they had a very vocal argument Mm -hmm. the evening before. I heard Sadie barking from her crate. I was upstairs. Bob and I were not sleeping together at this point in our marriage. I went downstairs thinking she needed to go out and that Bob had gone to the gym. She was locked in, Sadie the dog, and Bob's bedroom door was shut. I went in to ask him if he had fed Sadie, but I found him unable to even answer or holler again. Now, what has happened, and he has had a massive brain bleed. And they come with the ambulance. Mm -hmm. Uh, They take him to the hospital, and it's about a day and a half after Mm -hmm. that that he has gone. I'll read just the last part of where she is as the death is coming Mm -hmm. near. At 5.16 p.m., the death rattle stopped. Bob was dead. I failed many times in my life as a wife with the first husband, as a mother with one child using drugs and going to jail, the other not liking me too much. I was fired from jobs. She had been a teacher. My friends disowned me, and I was a thoughtless, careless daughter with both of my parents as Mm -hmm. they grew infirmed. This disaster I created with Bob because I did not understand hoarding and because I was selfish was the worst failure of my life. I've prayed and begged God over and over forgiveness. I know God is a kind and loving God who will forgive, but I don't feel forgiven. I tell this story because you might be in a similar situation, living with someone with mental health issues who is mean and doesn't keep his or her word. You don't have to act the way I did. Now, that's the reason for her writing Mm -hmm. the book. At 7.45 in the morning on January 8, 2015, I found Bob unable to do anything. His last gasping breath was taken 33 hours later. It has been seven long years since that terrible moment and a long journey for me to find the real Bob I did not know or appreciate among the 90% of his treasures I had never seen. He not only left behind 60 entire truckloads of metal, seven lathes, a gigantic Bridgeport, five 1960s paintings done in art school, a new John Deere tractor in a hundred pieces, 35 handsaws, 50 worn-out truck tires, but friends, people who loved him and whom he loved, a brotherhood of Bible study buddies, and a cult of John Deere tractor devotees. Bob was a finder and a keeper and a diverse, intelligent, perfectionistic, artistic, lovable guy. Did Bob forgive me? I do not know. His last cognitive acknowledgement of me was his grasp on my left wrist as we waited for the ambulance. As I whispered my love and my sorrow into his ear during his last few hours, maybe his brain was not too gone to realize his wife needed forgiveness and was a sinner like all mankind. This is my hope. So the book, in many ways, there's humor in it, but it's almost a confessional. Yeah, it is a confessional. You know, that wording is an obsessive-compulsive disorder, which we understand well-meaning efforts to help someone overcome this are not going to work. This needs to be treated by people who really understand obsessive compulsion. The normal do-better, write-out charts, that sort of stuff mm-hmm. is, is not going to work. But she didn't know that, really. The outcome of that obsession was the thing that she focused on. And the book is a journey into understanding that and understanding who he really was, what his basic nature was, and then grief over mm-hmm. not having been able to be big enough or expansive enough or to grow enough to concentrate on what was really good in her husband. So it's a beautiful portrayal. And honey's so honest and, you know, it's hard for people to write that way. It's perhaps a catharsis for her to work it all out in a book form. Mm-hmm. But the truth is a lot of people are that way. Mm-hmm. We just focus on what annoys us, not mm-hmm. on the great 
giftedness of the personality or the friend or the mm-hmm. husband or the mate or the child mm-hmm. that we need to be focusing on. I'm trying to put into a sentence why I wanted to take the whole of the podcast mm-hmm. just to talk about what she wrote. Because it's a huge amount of work. I mean, going through that and saying, do I write this? Am I being fair? What am I trying to say? All mm-hmm. of that. When fellow believers do something remarkable, we do well to applaud People trying to figure out what in the world were they talking about and where is it going. And I was saying, is there anything in Scripture that even hints at what we're trying to say? Uh I apologize. It's not a great proof text for what we're saying, but it does relate to the same overall conversation. Hebrews 10.24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us encourage one another. So that's basically what I wanted to do when we came here. And Carol is not the only person who has sent books to us. I feel keenly about all these people. I can't review all of the books, and I haven't done justice to what Carol wrote. But there are so many people who are like this. Just to have someone say, I feel a little bit like I understand a little bit what you're talking about, and it's an act of courage even to say, would you order my book on Amazon? Yeah, (laughs) right, really. And the church is not all that great at it. Maybe when a pastor has been there for 20 years and they're doing the farewell, there is Uh a sense where you say, this this is like a standing ovation. Uh And maybe they do Uh actually stand to their feet and clap for Uh such an individual. But on a weekly basis, we need to be finding out what people are doing, which are struggles. Uh I mean, it's struggle to do the way God wants us to do in terms of our lives. I just wanted to have a picture of a standing ovation, which is kind of what I want the church to be like. I took one of our grandsons, who's an adult. He's a very smart grandson. He's working for Intel, and they're helping him get his advanced degrees. So we went to the school play where the youngest of our grandchildren, Annalise. Annalise is probably, what would you say, 10 now? Uh-huh. They did their school production. Because Nathaniel lives in the Portland area, and he doesn't come through to Chicago all that often, he doesn't get a chance to see his cousins, especially his youngest cousins. So it was important to me that as a part of his visit here, we would go and watch Annalise's play. The play, I mean, it was amateur in every way. But but they used every single kid in that grade school. It's not that big. It's a private school. They were all involved in one way or another. And at the end of that play, I mean that place with all the parents coming. And And grandparents. It erupted. (laughs) There were probably, what, maybe 100, 120 people there. But, I mean, it was raucous. And uh, applause and yelling. I mean, the little kids were yelling like everything is smiling and jumping up. Flowers going up on the stage. Oh, yeah. A lot of those the parents had brought. So it was like... Like, oh my golly, I've never seen. <laughs> and uh, Nathaniel's eyes kind of got wide. Up. Wow, this is really something. <laughs> you know? And I, in thinking of standing ovations, that's the best recent one I've been to for a long time. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat if in the church there would be that constant understanding of the difficult lives a lot of people live in, yet they rise above it and they do incredible things. So this podcast is devoted to Carol Niles and her book. The Hoarder's Widow, order a copy, and we are standing here 
and say we appreciate the kind of work you put into this. Thank you for letting us know about it. We did order on Amazon a copy of your book. David's he scooped it up and read it all, and I've had to kind of scan it, but I will read it. And we just want to say to Carol, and to people like Carol, who maybe have done something similarly, and no one really has said hurrah or given them a standing ovation. <laughs> can't hear us because it is a podcast, but we are standing here and applauding her with our own individual standing ovation. (laughs) You've been listening to the Before We Go podcast. And if you would like to write to us, please send us an email at the following address, hosts at beforewego.show. That's all lowercase letters, hosts at beforewego.show. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please remember to rate, review, and share on whatever platform you listen. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Mainstay Ministries, Post Office Box 30, Wheaton, Illinois, 60187.